Hello and welcome to another TV Central podcast. I'm Aaron Ryan, nice to be with you. Today we are joined by Andrew Mercado from, uh, well, pretty much everywhere. You can catch him at theplaylist.com.au where he presents a five-minute video a few times a week on various TV topics. Actually, that's Mondays and Fridays. They can also be seen, sorry, they can be seen on Showcase Mondays and Fridays at 7.25pm. He also has his own TV website at www.mercadotv.com.au and also a weekly column in TV Week. Andrew, thanks for joining us. Anything you want to add to that? No, I think you've covered it all, Aaron. It's, it's a busy schedule, and you throw in the radio around Australia there as well. Talking about TV too, which is great. Yes, excellent. Look, I think we'll start with the hottest topic of the week, which also happens to be uh, the biggest lemon of the week, Ben Elton live from Planet Earth, week one. Yeah. Yeah, saw a rather pitiful 455,000 viewers, and then that slipped to 384,000 last Tuesday. Andrew, is there some excuses for the show, uh, lower Top Gear leading or finding its feet, or is it just a crappy show? Well, I think the best explanation I've heard of why it isn't waiting is that it's probably a dated show. Ben Elton is a comic genius. He's a very smart man. He wrote, he writes the entire show by himself. Every word, every skit, every stand-up routine, he is penning it all by himself. But I guess as much as if you go back and look at an episode of The Young Ones that you used to think was the funniest show in 1985... The humour has dated a bit, um, and the bodily fluid jokes don't go down so well. And you know what? People at home don't care about whether or not it's 100% live, which seems to be the gimmick for the show. Hey, look at us. We're so great. We can do all this live. And it is great to do all that stuff live. It is an absolute achievement. But the average viewer sitting at home doesn't care. They just want it to be funny. And if it's not funny, they switch off, and the skits are a bit hit and miss. Um, I'm sure if you look back at Fast Forward, though, the first episode of Fast Forward, it'd be a bit hit and miss as well. So I think it's sad, um, but extraordinary uh, reaction from Nine to say, hey, we're going to stick with the show because, you know, they've always just been the most brutal when it comes to getting rid of shows that don't act. Um, But, you know, I think that them hiring Ben Elton was... Uh, maybe an attempt by them to say, look, yeah. we're not just a network that's going to give you Hey Hey and Saturday and Warney. I'm sure they thought that uh, Ben Elton was going to do a lot better for them, and I think they, uh, I, I guess they're going to stick with it a little bit longer. But the signs aren't good, and I didn't like Ben's sort of uh, sniff of desperation that was in the air on the second episode where he was basically begging people not to turn off the channel, don't go to bed, <laughs> pull a sickie. All of that was just like, oh, Stop it. Would it be fair to say, I mean, this is just my opinion, that the funniest bit about Ben Elton Live was Ben Elton? I mean, he, yeah. his skits were, his uh, stand-up was actually quite funny, but then as soon as they went to a sketch, a sketch it um, went down the toilet. I agree 100%. See, I think those skits would work better if they were done fast-forward style on proper sets, and the show wasn't 100% live. It was, could still be done in front of a studio audience, but it probably takes three to four hours with costume changes and setting up all those sets. Um, that's the way the comedy company used to do it. I'm sure the big gig, although it had the impression of being live, wasn't 100% live. I'm sure they edited out stuff that didn't work, you know. So, um, look, great effort. 
uh, but it does not seem to be appreciated by the viewing public. But I will say this, I love what Ben Elton has had to say about the viewing public of Australia voting him on Twitter. He is absolutely right to say that if Shakespeare was alive today, you know, Hamlet wouldn't make it past the first performance because yeah, that's you know, right. the, the Twitterverse yeah. gets in there. And, and I do think, too, that if a few people on Twitter say that's crap, everyone joins in and says, yeah, it's crap. With, and I think some of those people don't make up their own mind. They just mm. basically go with the flow. Yeah. And look, I, I don't like comparing apples with oranges, but I mean, Adam Hills and Gordon Street tonight, there's a different tone. It is a, an actual chat show as opposed to a live comedy sketch. But I mean, obviously Adam Hills is doing something that uh, Ben Elton is. I mean, what do you think the, the major difference is where it's, where it's a good hit for Adam Hills? Well, I was pleasantly surprised by uh, the Adam Hills uh, show. It was, you know, the, the first episode, I didn't watch it this week, but the first episode was really, really very good. And um, I just thought, wow, what a nice guy. He was so self-deprecating. It was, uh, it was a really... Uh, well put together show. I don't know that I buy all of those uh, audience reactions. Some of them seemed a bit set up to me, but it didn't matter. They were they were they were cute, and they and they were funny, and there was a, a lovely um, there was heart about it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but and, you know he was still throwing in a, a bit of a rude joke every now and then, but it wasn't the that wasn't the focus of the show. So great effort from Adam Hills, uh, whoever put that together for him, if not himself, uh, did a really good job. Another hot topic of the week um, was the decision of uh, Jessica Murray to leave her role in Pack to the Rafters. Um, I guess the biggest question, Andrew, is uh, will this affect the ratings, the show? Will it lose some creativity or will, do you think it will just go on as normal? No, I don't think it's going to make any difference whatsoever. <laughs> um, but, you know, everyone, because the show is so big, because it's, you know, 1.9 million viewers, and if you look at everything else on TV, since we've come back for ratings a couple of weeks ago, a lot of shows have dropped dramatically. There aren't a lot of big hits on TV anymore because of this new multi-channel environment. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of shows that have shed 300,000 viewers like that. And Pack to the Rafters hasn't. It's still pulling in all the crowds, all the demographics, Everyone still seems to like it. And, you know, if they're clever, they'll write some drama for Rachel Rafter leaving the show. That'll work. They'll have everyone tuning in to watch her go. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see what they do without her because they won't kill her off. They'd be mad to kill her off. Um, and they can't do that. They just did it last year with uh, Zoe Ventura leaving the show as Mel. So, uh, look, any well-written ensemble show, particularly those that kind of lean towards your this sort of soap style, mm. none of them want to be bound by the success of one actor. Uh, and uh, most shows get over it. They might have a bit of a hiccup. Like, I mean, if you think back to a country practice when Simon and Vicky and Molly died all within just a few weeks of each other, yeah. um, the characters that they brought in to replace them didn't work. And, you know, but you know what? Those characters within about... Six months, 12 months, uh, they'd all gone, and they had new characters, and the show continued for many, many years afterwards. It certainly did. Look, another topic um, is attracting plenty of talk is the 10 News Evolution. George Negus at 6 o'clock and local bulletins around the country at 6.30. Are yeah. you with the panic sayers that are saying it's clearly not working and 10 should do something about it, or um, are you going with 10 who's saying Rome wasn't built in a day? 
Well, I'm going with 10. Um, first of all, good on 10 for sticking with stuff. They proved with the 7pm project that if you uh, stick around with it, it will find an appreciative audience. Um, look, we're talking about changing people's viewing habits. That, and, you know, people have been watching those 6pm bulletins on 7 and 9 for their entire life. You yeah. know, and it's going to be a real hard sell to get them to change. What I find bizarre about it, though, is how news junkies watch the same, what is essentially <laughs> the same news bulletin, at yeah. 4.30, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. And then, mm. you know, watch the current affairs in between and the 7.30 report. I would have thought that Negus had an opening in there at 6 p.m., that if you'd watched 9 and 7's news at 4.30 and switched over to 10 you would have gotten that news two ways now. So why not go to Negus and see what is clearly his different spin on things? Yeah. Um, to me, the weak link is that state news at 6.30. You know, the state news is just not very sexy and it just can't compete, I don't think, with Today Tonight or Current Affairs. So as a one-hour block, it's not working. And yes, ratings-wise, disaster. Last night, Neighbours on 11 rated more than both Negus and yeah, the state yeah. news. Now, so, in some ways, that is a disaster. But we have to think back to what was going on last year. Last year, Neighbours was a disaster at 6.30, and something had to be done. And 10 are going after an older audience these days. They've started up 11, their youth channel. They're sending all those shows and all the kids to that channel. MasterChef bought them the over-50s. Um, that's where they want to go. They want to raise their median age and I think they have to stick with Negus for the long run because the alternative is repeats of Everybody Loves Raymond again. Mm. Well, that, that's right. They haven't got much up their sleeve and all game shows, cheap game shows and they, ha no. they haven't worked in the past either. They've got nothing. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they fiddle around with uh, Negus's content or his set, which some people don't seem to like the set very much. Um, I think that they've really misfired by calling the show 6pm with George Negus because now they're repeating it at 10.30pm at night. Um, <laughs> and it's a bit like, hey, hey, it's Saturday on a Wednesday. Um, <laughs> so, look, I think that it may probably need some fine-tuning, but I think for the, uh, the short term, for the long term, they really have to stick with it and oh, try I and make it work. I thought it was a little disappointing that, um, you know, it's okay for the public to have their opinion and, you know, we're having a chat about it. But when, when one of your major shareholders comes out, I'm talking about Bruce Gordon, said yeah. that he thought it was a mistake. I mean, that would have to dent 10 a little bit. I mean, you know, if the people on the board aren't backing them as well, it's that's a little disappointing, I would have thought. Yeah, it, it'd make you very nervous if you're working in the news department at Channel 10. But, you know, as a board member... Um, and knowing Bruce Gordon, he's probably saying, isn't there some cheap thing that we can put here in its place? Yeah. That's what Bruce Gordon's basically saying. This is a mistake because it's, it's costing money and it's not working. I'm sure we can do something, buy some cheap repeat and, uh, you know, and really, look, you know, board members, I hope, look at the big picture and go, well, cheap repeats only work for so long. And you know what? TV, free-to-air TV, is full of cheap repeats at the moment from America. Every mm. new digital channel is surviving on repeated TV shows from the 70s. So yep. you can't just keep doing that forever. As sooner or later, 10 has to say, we want to, be, we want to play with the big boys and we have to try and do something uh, that's a little bit more interesting 
than uh, just taking the easy way out. Mm. Well, um, 6 p.m. going to, to 7 p.m. now, two and a half men. Um, I guess the question is, has a bubble burst? No more 1.2 million an episode. Um, it's sometimes behind the 7 p.m. project now. Um, so those 1.5 million for a new episode, uh, those days could be past us. I have been waiting for this day um, <laughs> forever. That is a show that I... Well, I kind of do understand the appeal, but it's certainly not a show that I like or enjoy. And I think that Charlie Sheen's actions are finally starting to have a bit of an effect on his viewership. I think over this past week, these ridiculous comments that he's been making on almost a daily basis are just showing that he's a complete and utter twat. And, uh, you know, although in, in many ways... That Charlie Sheen, the person, is the character that he plays on that sitcom. But those repeats were eventually going to start losing their luster for nine at 7 p.m. because, you know, they have been playing it at 7 p.m. and the 7.30 repeats, and they've been playing it on go, and Foxtel's been playing them. So, you know, the, the value of those is, is definitely going to go down. And, I mean, I'm in a ways... Uh, having a pretty good year so far. They've, uh, they've promoted the show really well this year by kind of doing this, these sexy new boys, the River Boys, which mm. kind of, you know, like the Bra Boys with different tattoos. Um, Home and Away's the, the leader again at 7pm. And that goes, that's what's been going on throughout Home and Away's history. It, has, it, go, it goes through troughs, it goes up and down. Last year, more people were watching the 7pm project than Two and a Half Men, and this year, it's just been reversed. Um, so... Yeah, I think Home and Away's... Uh, sorry, Two and a Half Men's probably got a bit more life there, but it'll be interesting to see what happens with the US ratings because it's still rating really well over there. But if those uh, conservative Americans start giving up on uh, Charlie Sheen... And really, how many more episodes of those shows can you make? Yes, he's the highest-paid actor on American TV, but they've got more than enough episodes in the can to retire and make money off the syndication for years and years to come. At a certain point, they'll just say, you know what, he's too much trouble. Let's pull the pin on this. Yeah, I want to pick up on something you just mentioned before about them playing two and a half men on, you know, on Go. I mean, they can play up to 15 episodes per week on free-to-air if you include Go and Channel 9. Yeah. So, I mean... The other two shows that are down, Top Gear and also Big Bang Theory. Now, these three shows that we're talking about are, are played massively on Go as well. So is yeah. this strategy of, of playing these shows all the time on Go, I always thought, yes, they can pull ratings in the short term, but you're going to kill these shows in the long term. Yeah. I mean, do you think I'm right in the end, or, or do you think it, it was just going to go down anyway? Or is, is playing it 200 times a week, you know, is that, is that part of its failure now? I think viewer fatigue, I think you're absolutely right, viewer fatigue has set in with these shows. The thing is that if you play those shows 20 times a week, they don't become special anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, and nine are so ultra-competitive, you know, and they will do whatever they take to get a rating point tonight without a lot of thought for the future. Um, and there is no doubt that their strategy of playing those shows to death uh, has killed the golden goose, um, and yeah, I, I just I've just never ever been been able to understand why you would uh, burn out your shows like that. But I mean, it is sort of happening on TV um, a lot. I mean, if you look at uh, uh, encores of things now, we're starting to see things like you know I'm seeing that 
William Shatner sitcom. That's getting a repeat on nine. Uh, Tanner repeating Raising Hope, calling them encore episodes, you know, like three or four weeks after the first episodes go to yeah. air. The thing is that they're, they've all kind of run out of content. Um, the, the, the extra channels have chewed up uh, so much material that there's not a lot of shows that they're working with anymore. So that's why they just kind of, you know, make hay while the sun shines. If it's raining, play it to death and hope that something better is around the corner. Mm. Not well, a great t- long-term strategy, I would say, but, you know, that all they're interested in is the short-term overnight ratings. Yeah, that's it. Um, well, two and a half minutes dropping, and, and so is 10, on, especially on a Monday night. Glee did bounce back this week, um, but the 8.30 slot um, is troubled. Undercover Boss USA did nicely last year, but it's now been moved to Friday nights. Good News Week also down. What, what yeah. do you attribute all this to? Look, I, I don't know what I attribute uh, 10 to. 10 goes up and down like it, it's, just, it's just craziness, you know. That uh, first week of unofficial ratings, the biggest loser was rating 1.3 million. I thought, wow, 10 are going to have a great year. And then as soon as 9 entered the game the following week, uh, they were back in the toilet again. Um, the 10 audience seems to be very fickle. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, they, 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 they latch on to undercover boss, they love it, and then they, they seem to move on very quickly. Um, so, yeah, I'm at a loss to explain why Ten's uh, fortunes uh, change from night to night and indeed week to week. Well, another show, I mean, I, we were talking about it before, there's a lot of shows down, but another one down significantly has to be the underbelly telly movies. I've actually been enjoying the, uh, just the two-hour format because it's all wrapped up in two hours. Correct. Perhaps not as sharp as the, as the, as the series. I don't know. Viewer fatigue in the in the series. What what what's, that, what's actually happening there? Well, I don't think that uh, these series are as sexy as uh, what Underbelly was turning into. You know, the first Underbelly was fantastic. Um, the second Underbelly was not so great. And then the third Underbelly, really not that great. But what was going on there in terms of appealing to the public was that they were really sort of sexy and lots of nudity and scenes in strip clubs and all that. And I could understand why it rated so well. You know, mm-hmm. it was like uh, there hadn't been a show like that for a while on Australian TV. And, uh, you know, the, the, pu- the public lapped it up. I don't think these telly movies have been um, are as sexy to promote and they certainly haven't looked for um, that same sort of appeal in them. They're kind of uh, hoping that the underbelly tag is enough to get them over the line and it is. The show wins the night but you know, 1.3 million is a long way down 2.2 million that was watching the Golden Mile 12 months ago. Um, I don't know whether there's viewer fatigue with underbelly. I think if you find the right story the viewers will come back to it. But the, the problem with Underbelly was that the last two stories that they picked, I thought that they were running out of material. They didn't quite have enough material for 13 hours, and so they were stretching this stuff out and filling it up with music montages and really kind of unnecessary stuff to make it to 13 eps. So in, in what you said is great. You get a much tighter, tauter, uh, more exciting two-hour telly movie, but... Ultimately, it's not as sexy. Just a little funny thing on the side. Uh, do, do you think it's funny that the they seem these telly movies and the series have had major Australian stars in all of them, yeah. but I think they've actually run out. 
Like literally, they have gone through every single Australian actor that's known, and now these they can't get the the big names now, um, because literally, I think everyone's been used. That's a pretty good point. They have used up a lot of them. Um, I did, uh, you know, I, I saw a very interesting rumor this week that Underbelly Razor Gang, which is going to be their new long form one set in the 1920s back streets of Sydney, King's Cross, with all the sly grog. There was a suggestion that they were going to, uh, they're trying to get Jackie Weaver to play one of uh, the, the, the madams in that. Now, that would be sensational casting, yeah, wouldn't it? that would be. Um, um, but you're absolutely right. They have burned through a lot of good actors in that show. And just can't bring them back because they were part of a, a, a different, I mean, unless they yeah. decide to recast, I mean, but that would look unusual on yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. But you know, this this how many actors out of work all the time? You know, they mm. are still there. Um, keep looking, uh, Screen Time and Nine, um, and and you know, find some great actors. Well, let's talk about a show that is up rather than down. My Kitchen Rules. Is it better this season than last, or can it be considered a hit in its own right now, rather than just a shadow warm-up to MasterChef? Because that's what I thought last year. It just seemed to be yeah. a, a warm-up show to MasterChef. But is it, it's a hit on its own now? I think we have to call it a hit on its own now with 1.5 million viewers. Mm. Um, I, what was really, what really crueled it for me was that um, I watched My Restaurant Rules and then I watched Conviction Kitchen, which originally was going to air straight after it on a Monday night at 8.30pm until they discovered that they were going to go up against those underbelly telly movies and they pulled it off and instead Conviction Kitchen is going to start this Tuesday at 9.30 and then move to Mondays. Now, Conviction Kitchen, I just thought, was the most magnificent show. It was so emotional um, watching these people. And then when I watched My Kitchen Rules, I just thought, well, you're now just a bunch of middle-class privileged prats going, come into my house, look at me. I'm, I just completely lost the desire to get emotionally attached to My Kitchen Rule because I became so emotionally attached to the characters that were in Conviction Kitchen. Um, yeah. So in many ways, separating the two shows has been great because now the viewers who are watching My, uh, My Kitchen Rules, they're with it to the end of the series and the show is a big hit. But I tell you what, if you um, watch Conviction Kitchen, you'll see what I mean. The, the shows are so very different and they don't really play that well together and it, it, it would have been, um, it's going to be very interesting see, to see how the two of them go together on a Monday night. Well, just for a bit of fun, how, how about we place a couple of bets on a, uh, on right. a couple of shows? Give me a ratings number for Tuesday night's debut of Conviction Kitchen then. Yeah, okay. So there'll be about 1.9 million viewers watching uh, Pack to the Rafters beforehand. You've got NCIS on 10. You've got Ben Elton, which won't be getting more than 300,000 viewers. I'm going to say that Conviction Kitchen, on its debut, gets... Well, people go to... Parenthood's been getting about 900,000, 700 to 900,000 in the slot. I'm going to make a big call and say that people will stay up late and Conviction Kitchen will get 1.2 million. Ooh. And that's probably stretching it a bit. I was, at, I was actually thinking it was going to hold on to a vegan a bit more. I, I had 1.3, so... Well, um, yeah, look, at, my, my concern is that pe a lot of people go to bed at 9.30pm. No matter what comes on after uh, uh, Pack to the Rafters, 
a lot of that audience disappears, and, and, and I think a lot of them go to bed. But yeah, I think uh, 1.2, 1.3 is a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a figure that Conviction Kitchen could easily get. And one other one for the ratings, and I suppose it is poking a bit of fun, but Ben Elton started yeah. 455, went down to 384. Do you think it actually can slide even further? Or well, I think go Ben up? Elton up against Conviction Kitchen <laughs> will implode. I don't think anyone will be watching it this week. I think it's, it's almost like, it, to me it's almost like uh, Seven have just said for a joke, you know what? Let's just put the sword in the sort of this uh, in the side of this show once and for all. Um, ben Elton will be a disaster up against Conviction Kitchen. Mm. Sadly to say. Look, I think the other reason with with Ben Elton that, that Channel Nine is saying they're committing to it. I mean, I did read that Channel Nine had actually committed to four episodes with the option of two more to yep. six, and then and then beyond that. So I mean. Yep. I think they're going to be paying for four episodes anyway, so I'm actually expecting them to play out four episodes and then and then get the axe. But well, look, the other reason they've got to stick around is because they've got a brand new slogan this year that says the home of laughter. So you can't turn around and say we don't think those ratings are, are very funny. We're going to get rid of a show after two weeks. Um, the other thing too is that they're courting Hamish and Andy, and and you know sort of uh, had off the record said you know the the word was that Hamish and Andy were going to nine because of this renewed interest uh, in comedy and particularly um, Australian comedians. So, you know, Hamish and Andy haven't signed on the dotted line and you're trying to get them across. You don't want to ask Ben Elton after two weeks. I don't know. It's a theory. Well, Ben Elton's futures are obviously looking bleak at nine and so is Hey Hey Saturday, despite talks that may or may not return or whatever. Bottom line, yeah. Andrew, does it deserve to be in the schedule? In 2011. No, I think Hey Hey It's Saturday is an embarrassment. I think that it should have uh, come back um, as uh, occasional specials after, mm. you know, particularly, you know, you could have done in a... I'm trying to think of a, a reason that would bring the show back, but, you know, like... I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like a Christmas Day edition, things like that, you know, special things like that. But to have brought it back as a weekly show oh it was just embarrassing i couldn't bear it um and so yeah i don't think it should come back although having said that there were fans out there and certainly the response they got on facebook uh and the devotion of their fans is something quite unique but you know hey hate saturday in its dying days had gone on for far too long and had really lost the magic way back then um and bringing it back yes those Specials rated through the roof, the first ones, but oh, as a weekly kind of fixture, I just had no interest in watching it whatsoever. I don't know if you agree. I just think at the moment it's actually a little bit embarrassing that uh, that Channel Nine just won't say, look, it's it's not working and and it it won't be back. I mean, you keep getting stories from Daryl saying we're still talking to Nine, we're still it was still in negotiations. I mean, yeah. surely the bottom line is it's not coming back. So I mean. It's yeah, it's not I, coming back. Daryl is not going to get a weekly TV show in 2011. No, no. You might as well just say it. But I think um, it's, it's almost funnier this way to say nothing because then Daryl just keeps, you know, bringing... You know, notice here that most of the time Daryl's the one doing the talking. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> Daryl will do whatever it takes to try and uh, keep himself on TV. But, 
really, buddy, give it a rest. Retire. Enjoy your latter years. <laughs> Put exactly. that Aussie ostrich uh, puppet in the Powerhouse Museum and let's leave it at that. Totally agree. Hey, look, um, another show that's future is looking a little bleak, I guess, is City Homicide. Um, seven have only got eight episodes up their sleeve. Two episodes yep. already aired, so that means there's six to go. Um, I guess the question would be, uh, what went wrong with this show? Um, what went wrong was that uh, it was working, and so then every network decided that they should do a police show as well. And we got Cops LAC, and we got Rush on 10, and, you know, there were just too many cop shows then. And uh, the, the format became very, the format became a bit stale, I think. Um, and it's, uh, Seven make the point that it's, it's, it's great for them because it, it is a show that they can, uh, because it's not a serialised show and all of that stuff, it is a show that they can kind of play a lot and, um, you know, repeat on a, a regular basis. And you, you don't really know, it's not really important whether or not it's a, uh, a new episode or a repeat, you can kind of get away with, you, with it, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas it's a bit obvious on some of the other shows. But, yeah, I just think the Australian during public just kind of went, actually, you know what, uh, we don't want to watch a cop show on every single network, so we're kind of over all of them. And, see, I think that kind of, the, the, the crime dramas are kind of going down all over the place. CSI, I think, is on the way out. Mm. Um, Law and Order, it's kind of hanging on there, but uh, I wonder how much longer it's going to go on for. All these things eventually get very tired and have to come to an end. Look, I'm going to throw a, a theory out there because it hasn't it hasn't been mentioned, and it's one of the reasons I think the show City Homicide hasn't done well. See if you see if you agree with this. When it started, it was actually quite a quite uh, tight knit cast, but if yeah. you noticed over the first two seasons, almost all of the major actors took breaks from the show. I mean, Shane Bourne wasn't in every episode. Um, mm. Noni Hazelhurst went went off the show when. The character's son died for for quite a while. Um, yeah. Daniel McPherson left the show. Uh, Aaron Pedersen had a break. He was in a coma, I think, on the show for for quite a while. Um, and Nadia, is it, is it Nadia Townsend? Uh, Nadine, Nadine Gardner. Sorry, she was pregnant in real life, and she left the show as well. And right. it it just felt like the show that core dynamic, and then they brought in some other characters. What it actually started off with that those four. I guess close friends. Everyone yeah. kept leaving the show every five minutes, and no, and all of those characters um, weren't in every episode basically for for the first, you know, only the first season, and after that they kept dropping out. Is that a fair yeah. call? Look, I think that's a really fair call. You've watched it a lot more closely than I have. I didn't know that was going on at all. I thought the first season. When I think back to that first season. Um, what I remember most about it was that there was a, a kind of a continuing storyline there with Damien Richardson's character and what had happened to his mother. Yep. And that was something that was going to kind of uh, be part of the, you know, but at the end of the season you, he was going to find out maybe what indeed happened to her. So, yeah, you could be right that um, it all got a little bit haphazard after that. You know, it seems to me that there were always people coming and going there uh, and yeah, you're, you're right. I, I just completely um, lost track of it after the first series. Okay. Well, that's this is a very interesting theory. There's probably something in that. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, just a second last um, sort of topic, and because you've touched on this before about the the multi channels stealing viewers from from shows and stuff like that. But we have said shows like Back to the Raptors can still command an audience. Is it really? Are other multi-channels really stealing that many viewers from shows, um, or is that just an excuse? I mean, what I'm saying is Good News Week down because people are just over it and and don't want to watch it anymore, or, or really, or because it's been on for many years, or or, or is the multi-channel environment really taking viewers from from shows? Um, I think I actually think the multi-channel environment is taking viewers away because I don't think that if you actually crunch the numbers that less people are watching TV. I think they're watching just as much TV um, but they're just thinking, you know, some of them are going, well, I'm going to watch uh, Dexter on 11 rather than Good News Week and, and things like that. Um, mind you, I don't think that the offerings on the new digital channels are all that fantastic. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's staggering to me that the number one show of the night can be an Are You Being Served repeat? Mm. You know, if 300,000 <laughs> people are going to watch Are You Being Served at 7.30pm, first of all, I don't understand that. But secondly, um, that's going to have an impact on every other show in that 7.30pm time slot. Mm. If we'd known that's what people wanted, Aaron, we should have just made UK TV a free-to-air channel 15 years ago. Exactly. Because all yeah. people really wanted to watch was British repeats and old British crime dramas, which is basically what 7-2 has become. They've become, you know, almost a British channel, and it's proving very, very successful for them. Mm. And I guess those are the viewers that have never had Foxtel, because if you'd had Foxtel, you would really be at the point where you'd say, could I watch Are You Being Served Again? I mean, it's been on UK TV. It's been on the Comedy Channel. It's been on whatever it was on the last time, Triple One Hits or Fox Classics or wherever it got sent mm -hmm. to the last time. I mean, many of these shows that the new digital channels are airing have been floating around on Foxtel and Ozstar for the last 15 years. But clearly the people that are watching them and getting excited about them and getting a nostalgia kick are the ones that never, ever had Foxtel. Yeah. It it must be hard for the networks. I mean, I'm I'm really happy that Eleven is is working. I mean, most of their prime time schedule are new episodes of of shows, and and they're getting reasonable shares back for that. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I I can't stand Go's schedule because they keep pulling things out and putting them, you know, putting two and a half men in and getting rid of their shows that have got fresh episodes and things like yeah. that. But what is someone like Go supposed to do when they'll put on something like? V or Fringe, which is new, and and they're yeah. fast tracking it and getting 130,000 viewers and for it, and then and then and then over on seven two, as you said, a heartbeat episode will attract 300,000. So I mean, what what do you expect Go to do? It's very, you know, you're in two minds, you know. Well, hang on, Go, yeah. you could be showing something new. We want some new product. We don't want these old reruns and stuff like that. But then they put on yeah. fast tracked V, and it gets a third of the audience to to heartbeat. I mean. What do you do? Look, I know it is it is crazy, isn't it, that um, the you know a, a show like V and Fringe uh, can't find an audience. Um, but you know what I really like to see is I like it when if a show isn't working that they just keep playing it out, but they just move it later at night. That to me is always better thing to do than to take it off midstream 
and just uh, expect that the viewers are going to come back and find it in uh, six months' time when they decide to put it back on air. You know, it is very, very frustrating. And I, have, and I try to do all of my TV viewing, not by downloading them off the internet, which would be a hell of a lot easier to do, um, and not by watching the DVD box sets. I like to watch everything when it goes to air in Australia in sequence. And you can watch a series on Foxtel and it'll be there at 8.30pm every night. They say it's going to be there until the end of the series. But on free-to-air TV, you know, there's a pretty good chance that it's going to get taken off or moved to a later time slot. And at least if they move it to a later time slot, you can say, OK, well, I'm still there and I want to watch it this week. I just have to uh, stay up another hour later or set that, you know, IQ guide. But, you know, uh, keeping viewers like me happy are not priorities for the network. If, if they realise that, you know, it's getting to that time of the week and they're going to fall badly behind, then they're mm. going to rip off a show and stick in a repeat of uh, Mean Girls and <laughs> hope that it uh, fills the gap for them. Yeah. I, a point that you uh, just, just mentioned about the downloading of programs, though, this is one thing I... I hopefully you can explain to me because I don't understand. The networks say that on their catch-up services that they have, there's yeah. evidence to show that that's not taking viewers away from the actual from the actual series. Right. The thing I don't understand about that is I watch, for example, Media Watch on, on iView, um, right. and generally I'm out on Thursdays, or even if I am home, I, I just watch you know, Desperate Housewives and Grey's Anatomy on the weekend. So yeah, yeah. that catch-up service has, has actually taken me away from watching it on... I, I don't watch it on TV. I simply, every week... We'll watch those on the catch-up service. I don't download them illegally. I do watch them on the catch-up service. So how can yeah. they say that they're not taking viewers away from... I mean, surely yeah. other people do that. They, they, they watch yeah. Bones on the catch-up service. They watch Castle on catch-up. I guess they do, but I guess it's better to keep you in the family and keep you a regular viewer of that show because, uh, well, you know, sooner or later, at some point, you may actually watch it live on air again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's better to actually provide that catch-up service and keep you watching Desperate Housewives because we all know ha what happens that if you miss a few episodes, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to give up and never go back to the show. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to... Believe me, they don't really understand what's going on in this new world at all. They're just kind of hoping that uh, if they've got a show on that channel and you would still mentally associate Castle and Desperate Housewives and all those shows that you watch, you would still associate that with seven so if you were doing some sort of you got stopped in the supermarket to do some sort of marketing thing if, and if someone said to you and they were doing a marketing test and they rang up and said tell me what tv shows you watch if you said desperate housewives they wouldn't say well how do you watch it it would just go down that that was a show you watched you know mm, yeah i'm not really sure i'm kind of um going all over the shop here now but you know this is a this is such a new and complicated environment and, and it is changing so much and, and what I find fascinating is that the people who download shows from TV um, will burn copies for friends and sundry. They say, oh, there's this great series called The Walking Dead. You want to see it? I'll burn you it. There you are. Bang. There's the whole six episodes. And, mm. you know, it's not the fact that there are 
5% of people are downloading. It's the fact that 5% of people that are downloading are maybe handing it on to 10% of their friends. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm not quite sure how it all comes together. But at the end of the day, I guess they're hoping that um, you are going to come back to them at some point. When yeah. It with, with the illegal downloading, I guess you... The only time I... Well, I mean, you can never say it's okay because it's illegal. But, I mean, there are some certain programs which the networks just treat with absolute contempt that the only way to watch it is I mean for example if you were a fan of that show 90210 the, the updated one it, oh, sta it started you? three years ago it, it yeah. four episodes were I think four or five episodes on the main channel then it started again on on 11 it's been taken off so they still haven't progressed any further I mean surely well, no, it's crazy, isn't it? you'd have to download it now if you wanted to watch yeah. it yeah, and you would, be, you know, if you were really wanting to watch 90210, that would be the thing to do. Why sit and wait forever for it to, uh, for Eleven to get their act together and find a time slot for us? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, what what um, infuriates me is that I've got a TiVo now. I've moved into a house where I don't have free to air TV, free to air on my Foxtel box. Right. And it's I'm so unhappy because, you know, when I just had my Foxtel IQ and everything was just on there and it was so easy and it was so simple and the nightmare that my viewing life has begun since I took on the TiVo, the first thing is that you can't burn a VHS or a DVD off a TiVo. Yeah. So you can't actually say to a friend, I saw this great thing on Channel 7 the other night, would you like a copy of it? You can't do it. Mm. Um, the other thing is that it's really kind of user unfriendly and the remote control's small and it's got a lot of buttons and I can't see it in the dark and I have to turn the light on and get my reading glasses and all of that. But even then, with the TiVo, which is meant to be the new, the latest, the greatest thing connected to the internet, and uh, never again will you miss a show because if you tell TiVo to record a season pass for you or series link something, you know, the, the information's coming through on the computer. It'll never miss that show. Yeah. Well, it does, because if the channel doesn't send the correct information down the line, then yeah. it loses its place. And, I mean, a show that TiVo has lost for me over the summer was Outrageous Fortune on 10. Yeah. Sometimes it was on five times a week. Sometimes it said it was going to be on and it wasn't on. Okay, admittedly, the Queensland floods played around with its schedule. But at yep. a certain point, I realised that TiVo had lost Outrageous Fortune, and now I've kind of lost where I'm at, and I'm still watching it, but I'm going to have to wait for it to be repeated on Foxtel or get the DVD to make up those missing episodes. And then this crazy situation um, over summer where I was watching The Big C with Laura Lenny on Gem. Yep. And it was an absolute gem of a show. It was so fantastic. And all of a sudden, one night I sat down to watch it live, and the movie, as good as it gets, was on. Brilliant. But the, <laughs> yeah. the TiVo guide still said that the big C was on. Mm. So that week it taped as good as it gets, and then it somehow it screwed up with the system, then it didn't tape it the next week. Yeah. So once again, something that I thought was automatically going to be there wasn't there. It makes no sense to me why you would um, pull an episode of that in a non-ratings period for one week. Yeah, exactly. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? A series that, you know, 100,000 people are watching. You know what? The 100,000 people that are watching that show were loving it. Mm. And you risk alienating those people who say, you know what? That's it. I'm not even going to start watching shows on free-to-air anymore. I'm just going to wait for the DVD or I'm going to wait for it to go to Foxtel 
or I'm going to ask my friend who illegally downloads it to just do that for me. Exactly. Options now. Mm. Got to get, get, get these letters in to TiVo and Foxtel too. <laughs> Look, um, we, we both love TV. I, I actually we could talk for uh, at least the next couple of hours, but um, I know you've got things to do. So um, thank you so much for joining us um, at TV Central. Um, but tell us what's coming up on the playlist. Um, look, the playlist is going to be very, very exciting over the next few weeks. Uh, next week I'm going to reunite Graham Blundell, who's the TV writer for The Australian. Yes. Um, and also, you know, has acted in a zillion things like Don's Party and, and of course, Alvin Purple. I'm going to reunite him with um, a couple of actresses that he worked with in the 70s and I'm going to... Uh, so Deborah Gray, who he starred with in uh, Best of Friends and Pacific Banana, yep. uh, they're going to re- review a TV show together. And then Candy Raymond, the great Candy Raymond, who was in uh, Don's Party with Graham Blundell, uh, they're going to chat about Prisoner, which Candy was in and Graham wasn't. And it's one of the few TV shows that he wasn't in. <laughs> so there's, there's a little bit of a... Uh, where are they now reunion uh, element creeping into the playlist and, and I'm very keen to get some of these great actors who you know haven't been seen for a while and get them in to sort of talk about TV today and you know a little bit of a giggle at the end about uh, their past so yeah it's, it's very exciting um, to be uh, catching up with some of these older actors and uh, what else are you up to at the moment just with the playlist there and just working on the website and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The the website. Sometimes I'm I'm fired up and I can put something on that website every day. But over summer there, it was just like I was just like like you know what I'm not into this. And uh, I think I was lucky to be doing one post every ten days over summer. Um, but that's great. The, the column I write for TV Week uh, that's just changed. I'm now doing DVD reviews for them as right. part of a tie-in uh, with what I do with Carrie Ann, where I do the movies and DVDs there. So there's. Yep bit of a change there. They've got Tracy Spicer from Sky News now writing about, uh, you know, kind of doing a, a verdict uh, viewpoint there. Um, yep. So, yeah, there's lots of stuff going on. And the other really exciting thing, too, um, that's coming up for me on the playlist is uh, on Monday, the 7th of March, we'll put to air a segment that we recorded with Catherine Kelly Lang who plays Becky in Coronation Street, and she talked about the filming of their quite incredible 50th anniversary episode, which had a a stunt with a tram crashing off the viaduct that cost a million pounds. It is a stunt on TV. UK TV will will air it in the aftermath. And this woman, she is such a big star in the UK. She was so nice um, and such a thrill. And it's just, I spent a lot of the summer watching episodes of Coronation Street from the, the 70s uh, that I'd had here for years and years and then never watched. And I went, okay, I really get the Corey thing now. I understand why people have been obsessed by this show by 50 years. So, yeah, mm-hmm. um, that, take my tip. Watch that 50th, that, that week of 50th anniversary episodes. It's incredible TV. All right, we'll look out for that on the 7th of March. And look, there is one complaint about, uh, I have to send a showcase about your program. It's, it's bloody too short. Oh, you start no. getting into some topics there, and then that's oh, no. it. We did. Uh, they, we, we have um, risen from four minutes to five minutes this year. Which I is, did notice. Uh, yes. Yes, we're, we're there, and um, you know they they they're, they're, they're an incredible organisation, and they're, they're very supportive. And 
really, when you think about it, it's only a five-minute show, but it's about the only show on TV that is allowed to talk about TV and be completely independent. We can yep. go on that show and say that a series that's screening on Showcase we don't like, and I don't like Sons of Anarchy, yep. and I'm not a big fan of the United States of Tara anymore. I'm allowed to go on there and say that because they understand that in a world of uh, you know 200 TV channels now, there's no point in everyone just putting promos on that say this show is fantastic. They would rather have a group of people who love TV talking about a show and... Uh, Someone will like it and someone won't, but the viewer will get curious and decide to go out and make up their own mind. And I think it's great that we're allowed to be on Foxtel and talk about free-to-air TV. I know that doesn't make some of the executives in Foxtel happy, um, but, you know, I think it's great that we're allowed to speak our mind and say what we like it because I think it's a lot more powerful if we're allowed to be totally truthful 100% of the time. When you, when someone on that show says I love that show, you know they're not making it up. You know it's not PR spin. Yeah. Um, because none of us are under any pressure to keep uh, our networks happy or you know let's not offend that person or something. At the end of the day, it's just TV, and I understand having worked on shows in the past. People put their heart and soul into a show, and for someone like me or, you know, someone from TV Week to get up there and say, I didn't like it, I thought it was crap. It must be gutting to hear that when you've put your heart and soul into it. But yeah. at the end of the day, you have to say you're sitting at home. Did you like it or didn't you like it? You can't. You've just got to tell the truth and say it like that. So, you know, ultimately I know I, I piss people off, but I like to think that somewhere along the line... I'm, I'm pointing out to other people, this show's really interesting. Give this show a go. We really like this show. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, the integrity of it comes through. Exactly. Lovely. You can catch um, Andrew Mercado on the playlist on Showcase, Mondays and Fridays at 7.25pm. And the episodes are uploaded at a later time on the website, which is theplaylist.com.au. As previously mentioned, you, uh, Andrew does his own website at mercadotv.com.au and also has a column in TV Week, plus, of course, the radio stuff and Carrie Ann. Andrew, your love for TV always shines through. It's been fantastic having you here on this podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Aaron, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me on. Absolute pleasure. No worries. Andrew Mercado, TV expert, TV guru, and TV enthusiast. That is all for this podcast. Look out for the new episode real soon. Until then, I'm Aaron Ryan for tvcentral.com.au. See you then. Okay.